Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinions with Heather. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about um, kind of a um, uncomfortable topic because uh, because it's something that just happened to me and to the family. Um, we had to put our 13-year-old dog Daisy um, down. Um, but basically, we had to, we had to go arrange like for the vet to kill our dog. Um, which was really hard for me to, to decide to do. But then after we did it, um, I really was like questioning why we don't, why don't we do this for the people we love who are suffering and um, not going to, to get better. Um, so I want to talk about that in this episode. Um, euthanasia for pets seems to be totally fine. Everyone thinks that's um, actually a humane and great idea, but when you try to apply it to people, there's a, a lot of controversy about it. So let's discuss it. Euthanasia is defined as the act of humanely ending the life of a living being in order to end extreme suffering, often the result of a serious and irreversible medical condition. Sounds like a positive thing when you say it that way. Um, and it, it also is made to sound even more positive when you're talking about a pet. There's so many euphemisms for taking your dog to the vet with the intention of not bringing it home alive. Put the dog down, put the dog to sleep. But still, I really struggled with making the call to our vet. Uh, our dog had lost a ton of weight. She was barely getting outside to do her business. And, and we knew from recent tests that she had some kind of liver failure. She laid around all day, rarely lifting her head to acknowledge you coming into the room. But it wasn't until she stopped eating that I realized that this was it. Yet even though she was clearly not enjoying anything anymore and was suffering and was gonna die one way or the other very soon, I didn't wanna play God and call the vet. And I think this impulse to not play God is a huge part of why we don't treat humans the way we treat animals at the end of their lives which I'll pick up on in a bit. But back to the vet. She took a look at our dog and gave this sound advice, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically said, you took care of all the needs of this dog for its whole life. The dog is not gonna get better. You can give her one final gift and end her suffering. And it's the most humane thing that you can do. Let me contrast that for a minute with the lack of such conversations when my mother was dying four years ago. Now, my mom suffered for years with complications from multiple sclerosis. And in the last months of her life, not only was she completely paralyzed, but she could no longer speak and towards the end didn't even have control enough to blink her eyes. One of the things that she could muster up the strength to blink for was when asked to blink if she wanted more pain medicine. My family had to watch her slowly die in hospice care for over two weeks after she'd stopped eating and had lost all means of communicating. And I really think it would have been more humane to help her move on, um, to put her to sleep. Now there's a difference between the approach of withdrawing care, which is like what happens in hospice care versus proactively advancing death. Um, and uh, from the, um, JCO site, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, they define the difference as this. Um, there's a clear distinction between 
a physician allowing a terminally ill patient to decline treatment and to die in the natural course of his or her terminal illness on one hand, and a physician prescribing PIS, PAD on the other. When care is appropriate, the course of the terminal illness is the cause of death. If medication is prescribed to cause death, the prescription is the cause of death. They call this PAD, physician-assisted dying, or PAS, physician-assisted suicide. Physician-assisted dying or physician-assisted suicide is actually legal in nine states, um, including the District of Columbia. Um, so Washington, DC, Hawaii, Maine, New Jersey, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. Um, it's an option given to individuals in Montana and California um, via court decision. And uh, New Jersey and Maine actually are the two states that most recently made it legal in 2019. Um, these are commonly known as death with dignity laws. And um, since I live in New Jersey, I would have thought that I knew about this, but I actually didn't know about this until I started researching it for this podcast. Um, it was in August of 2019 that Governor Phil Murphy signed it into law. And I'd actually like to read his signing statement because it synthesizes a lot of the, the personal struggles people have with the concept of physician-assisted dying. Um, so this is from uh, Governor Phil Murphy's signing statement um, for the Medical Aid in Dying for the Terminally Ill Act in New Jersey. Today I'm signing the Medical, Medical Aid in Dying for the Terminally Ill Act, Bill number 1504, which permits terminally ill adult patients residing in New Jersey to obtain and self-administer medication to end their lives peacefully and humanely. I commend the bill's sponsors, New Jer uh, Assemblyman Bill Vercelli, for whom this bill has been extremely passionate and a personal mission since it's first introduced seven years ago, for their tireless efforts to craft legislation that respects the dignity and autonomy of capable individuals to make life-ending decisions. This legislation I'm signing today is the product of a near decades-long debate among policymakers, religious organizations, experts in the medical community, advocates for persons with disabilities, and patients, among many others. Without question, reasonable and well-meaning individuals can, and very often do, hold different moral views on this topic. Through years of legislative hearings, countless witnesses, many of whom shared deeply personal and heart-wrenching testimony, offered compelling arguments both in favor of and against this legislation. As a lifelong practicing Catholic, I acknowledge that I have personally grappled with my position on this issue. My faith has informed and enhanced many of my most deeply held progressive values. Indeed, it has influenced my perspectives on issues involving social justice, social welfare, and even those topics traditionally regarded as strictly economic, such as the minimum wage. On this issue, I'm torn between certain principles of my faith and my compassion for those who suffer unnecessary and often intolerable pain at the end of their lives. It is undeniable that there are people with terminal illnesses whose lives are reduced to agony and pain. Some of these individuals may thoughtfully and rationally wish to bring an end to their own suffering, but cannot do so because the law prevents it and compels them to suffer unnecessarily and against their will. I've seen such debilitating suffering firsthand in my own family, and I deeply empathize with all individuals and their families who have struggled with life, end-of-life medical decisions. 
as things now stand, it is the law rather than one's own moral and personal beliefs that governs such decisions. That is not as it should be. After careful consideration, internal reflection and prayer, I have concluded that while my faith may lead me to a particular decision for myself, as a public official, I cannot deny this alternative to those who may reach a different conclusion. I believe this choice is a personal one and therefore signing this legislation is the decision that best represents and respects the freedom and humanity of all New Jersey residents. According to deathwithdignity.org, death with dignity laws, also known as physician assisted dying or aid in dying laws, stem from the basic idea that it is the terminal ill people, not the government and its interference, politicians and their ideology, or religious leaders and their dogma who should make their end of life decisions and determine how much pain and suffering they should endure. So in essence, that's kind of what the Governor Murphy statement is saying. Um, and it's interesting because I think many of the people who are very against the, the idea of death of a dignity statutes um, are you know, also really uh, against you know, government overreaching into other parts of their lives, which is um, just sort of an interesting dichotomy to me, like why um, you would want the state getting involved in this particular part of your life when you would rather have a more hands-off approach uh, in most other ways. So the, uh, the death with dignity statutes um, have a process that is uh, supposed to be robust to, the, to kind of ensure that you don't have um, abuse of the system and abuse uh, and victimization of people who are ill. So, Two physicians have to confirm the patient's residency, diagnosis, prognosis, mental competence, and voluntary, voluntariness of the request. Um, and then there's two waiting periods between uh, a first oral request and a, um, and a second written request before you can move ahead. So um, sounds like it's not something you can just, you know, decide on Monday and then do it on Tuesday. I said I'd get back to the concept of playing God. Most religions consider human life to belong to God. Just as murder is forbidden, so is suicide. So whether you're the doctor enabling a patient to go to sleep or the patient deciding to do so, both seem problematic through the eyes of religion. Of course, there are exceptions to this, like the martyrdom of intentionally losing one's life in battle. Um, but the fear of playing God runs deep. I don't even consider myself religious, but I still worried about that with a dog. The whole concept that it should be in my control to end another life brings up all kinds of existential questions. For example, a hierarchy of life forms. Like most of us don't think twice about stepping on a bug just because it's on your kitchen floor, but we give different consideration to family pets. And then again, different consideration to our human family. In the eyes of religion, people are special and different. Through the eyes of religion, remaining alive until you are taken by God seems paramount. But as Governor Murphy of New Jersey said in his signing statement, 
one's religious views on the topic should not dictate the position of the state. Another group concerned with playing God is doctors. And to make the physician-assisted death process physician-assisted, you need some of them to be involved. The classic Hippocratic Oath was pretty clear in its direction to doctors saying, quote, I will neither give a deadly drug to anybody who asked for it, nor will I make suggestion to this effect, unquote. The modern version of the Hippocratic Oath includes this sort of more cryptic statement, quote, most especially must I tread with care in matters of life and death. It is given me to save a life, all thanks, but it may also be within my power to take a life. This awesome responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. Above all, I must not play God, unquote. Um, so it seems to be a bit more ambiguity there. Now, what about veterinarians? Um, veterinarians take an oath of their own, um, which includes, quote, being admitted to the profession of veterinary medicine, I solemnly swear to use my scientific knowledge and skills for the benefit of society through the protection of animal health and welfare, the prevention and relief of animal suffering, the conservation of animal resources, the promotion of public health, and the advancement of medical knowledge. Unquote. Interestingly, it specifically mentions suffering instead of life and death. Professor of Veterinary Ethics Gerald Tannenbaum observes in his book, Veterinary Ethics, that discussions of euthanasia by medical ethicists fail to mention veterinary medicine or the euthanasia of veterinary patients. Um, this apparent lack of interest is startling, he writes, because many objections to euthanasia and human medicine stem from the fact that human medicine has had little experience with it. He goes on, there's a healing profession with an extensive experience relating to the euthanasia of his patients. These doctors have had, uh, long had to worry about when, if at all, euthanasia is justified, how to perform it, and what effect it can have on those close to the patient. Some cross-disciplinary discussion would be enlightening for both sides, he says. Primary arguments given against physician-assisted death are these. Pain medication is good enough that there's no reason for a patient to be in intractable pain, thus there's no reason that they should desire to die. Physicians might incorrectly diagnose terminal illness. Physician-assisted death violates the role of physician as healer. And finally, what um, they talk about in bioethics as the camel's nose under the tent argument. Uh, if we allow physician-assisted death for some patients, this will lead in, ineluctably to the killing of patients who do not want to die. Now, it's interesting to note the difference in emphasizing physicians as healing and healers versus veterinarians' emphasis on alleviating suffering. That said, each of these arguments are legitimate and debatable, and as this is a decision that will literally dictate life or death, nobody wants to get it wrong. So I'll end with a quote from um, a woman named Jessica Pierce, PhD. She's the author of Run, Spot, Run, Ethics of Killing, um, <laughs> um, excuse me, Keeping Pets and the Last Walk, Reflections on Pets at the End of Their Lives. Uh, I may be breaking an unspoken taboo and drawing a comparison between animals and humans, but I think the comparison raises important questions. Should we be more open to euthanasia in the human realm? Should we, on the other hand, be a little more circumspect in how we 
easily apply euthanasia to our annual companions. Thanks for listening to today's Unpopular Opinion, that we should treat our human family as humanely as our animal family at the end of life. When I put it that way, it doesn't sound so controversial, but you know what I mean. If you'd like to share your opinion on this topic with me or have other unpopular opinions you'd like to hear discussed, email me at unpopularopinionswithheather at gmail.com. Follow Unpopular Opinions with Heather wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Heather Kelt-Scott. Thanks and see you next time.